So uh, there's this thing on the internet, when you go to the Google uh, and start to type in a search, it will try and predict what the next words are gonna be in your search. And so it's called predictive text. And uh, you may have this on your phone when you go to text message somebody, and, and it'll make suggestions as to what the next word should be to save you time. Uh, and Google does this as well on their searches to try and save you time. Uh, and so I was looking up some different things uh, on the Google uh, about uh, just some predictive text, some funny predictive texts. So here are a few I'd like to share with you this morning. So somebody typed in, what would happen, and this is the response, and this is what it filled in, if I hired two private investigators to follow each other? <laughs> interesting, interesting. That's what Google, somebody had, enough people had typed that in that Google predicted that. Um, somebody else typed in, I hate it when I'm eating and a T-Rex steals my chair. I do too. I, I hate it when that happens. You know, I'm sitting there in Jurassic Park and uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to eat my uh, brontosaurus burger like Fred Flintstone and uh, sure enough, a, a T-Rex steals my chair. You know, that'd be kind of scary, to be perfectly honest, because T-Rexes have tiny little arms. You know what I mean? You know, and so to bend over and steal your chair means that he is eating you. So um, think about it for just a second. You know, he's got to bend over to steal your chair, and he's going to chomp your head right off. Anyway, so here's my favorite one. Okay, here's my favorite one. Why isn't 11 pronounced 1-T-1? Why isn't 11 pronounced 1-T-1. Think about that for a minute. That's a good point. There is a good point there. So I was thinking, I'm going to do a search of my own. And, and I, I want to fill in, I want to see what Google fills in when I do this search of my own. And so I just started to type in the words, why is the church? The first thing that came up was this. Why is the church full of hypocrites? The very number one suggested answer. Why is the church full of hypocrites? Oh, we have a great reputation, don't we? Here in America, this reputation of being hypocrites and the church is full of us. Whew. Sobering. Staggering. Heartbreaking that this is the impression that people have of the church in America, that the church is full of hypocrites. If we're honest, we've had those same thoughts. If we're honest, we understand why people would feel this way. Because there have been times in our lives when we have experienced hypocrisy from our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. There have been times when we have experienced hypocrisy where somebody said one thing and did another. Somebody put on a really good religious show and then you found out they weren't quite who they portrayed themselves to be. We've all experienced some kind of hypocrisy in the church. And if we're really honest, we might realize that maybe we have been a little hypocritical too or maybe a lot hypocritical too. 
I struggle with this as a pastor. I struggle with it as a pastor. I'll tell you right now. I struggle with it as Pastor Sean. Why do I do what I do? Why am I here today? Why am I on this stage right now? Uh, is it because I love Jesus and I love preaching the word? Yeah, I love Jesus and I love preaching the word. Uh, I love communicating the good news of Jesus uh, to people and, and, and in this kind of a format. I love to preach. But is it for God's glory? Is it for money? My friend just said. <laughs> Nobody goes into ministry to get rich, I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it, for, is it because it's my job, though? I mean, is it because it's my job? And that if I don't show up on a Sunday morning at 9.30, people are going to look around going, where's Sean? Who's going to preach today? Who's going to preach today? Who's going to, oh, who's going to preach today? And then, and then it's like, is anyone going to preach today? We've got to have a sermon, right? I struggle with hypocrisy in my own life. Why do I do what I do? Not just preaching, but living as a Christian. Why do I do some of the good deeds that I do, some of the nice things that I do? It's because of somebody's expectations. We expect you to do this, Sean. And deep down inside, I don't want to do it. And so I struggle with that. And maybe you do too. If you were to look at in the mirror right now and say, why am I here today? Why am I here right now? What would you say? Don't, don't, don't shout it out. Please. But what, what would you say? Well, I'm here to learn about Jesus. Great. Or I'm here because my wife made me come. <laughs> nervous laughter, nervous laughter, nervous laughter. I'm here because I want my kids to learn about Jesus. Personally, I have my doubts and my own fears and frustrations and anxieties, and I'm not sure about this whole church thing, but I know my kids need to be in church. Maybe that's you. I'm here uh, because... I got nothing better to do. And so I may as well go to church. Or I'm here because I don't have any more answers and I'm grasping at straws and I'm just trying to figure out what is going on. We all struggle with motivations, right? We all have different motivations for doing what we do. And today we're going to talk about motivations. We have been studying uh, a passage of scripture known as the Beatitudes here uh, on weekends since the beginning of June. And a Beatitude is simply a blessing that Jesus pronounced. And we find a, a series of these at the beginning of Jesus' longest recorded sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. And we've been studying these nine blessings of Jesus in a series that we're calling Hashtag Blessed. Because when it comes to what we think about blessing and what true blessing really is, uh, it's not what we think it is. True blessing is being transformed by God uh, into a, a, with a, to a different mindset, uh, to, to having a shift in our minds. And that's what we're going to talk, that's what we've been talking about. Uh, we, we started with uh, a blessing uh, where Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we saw that uh, the very first step uh, is to realize that we are spiritually broken and spiritually bankrupt. Uh, I told you to think about these blessings as kind of like a staircase. And we are climbing toward something different. We are uh, climbing toward a spiritual mindset that is focused on heavenly things and not just focused on earthly things. 
And so the very first step that we have to take is to realize that we are spiritually broken, spiritually bankrupt people. That we're all sinners. I've told you before, we're all in the same boat of sin. We're just rowing with different oars. And so when it comes to the first step that we need to take toward a heavenly mindset, it is to realize that we are spiritually broken, spiritually bankrupt people. And then the next step is to mourn. To mourn our sinful condition. To realize that when we sin, it breaks God's heart. And the things that, breaks, that break God's heart should break our hearts. And we should mourn and grieve and, and weep over our own sinfulness. But God doesn't leave us there. No, he gives us a promise that those who mourn will be comforted. We then talked about how uh, blessed are the meek. And we said that meekness is not weakness. Rather, it is strength under control. And it takes a lot of strength to be meek. It's not weakness. And we need to, meekness is about gentleness and humility. And we need to be gentle when we deal with other people. We need to be humble before God and humble with other people. Then we talked about how blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for the right thing. The things that God desires. On a personal level and on a societal level, we need to uh, hunger and thirst, to be hungry and thirsty for the things that God wants. And the Bible says, Jesus said that we will be filled. Last week we talked about being merciful. We said, Jesus said, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And we talked about how we as people who have been forgiven, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him, turning away from sin and repentance, confessing our faith and getting baptized, that when God washes away our sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness and he purifies our hearts, when he, when he, when he washes us clean, uh, we are forgiven and we are saved and we are going to heaven. And that means that we who have received mercy need to show mercy. We who have been forgiven need to be the most forgiving people on the planet. We need to forgive others the way that we have been forgiven. So this week, as we climb this staircase further, we're going to talk about what it means to have pure hearts. And it has to do with motivations. So we're going to look at a uh, Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 we're going to take it in two pieces and then we're going to look at some different passages from the Sermon on the Mount about hypocrisy because hypocrisy and it has to do with our motivations and when we are not pure in heart we are in danger of becoming hypocrites so in Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 the very first part of it says this blessed are the pure in heart now I've told you before on countless occasions the New Testament was written in ancient Greek, and I've been teaching some Greek words along the way, and I want to teach you the Greek word for pure. And it is the word katharos, and it means clean, pure, free from corrupt desire, sincere or genuine, blameless or innocent. So this idea of being pure in heart, there's two different ways we can interpret this. One is that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, that he purifies our hearts, and he washes our sins away and he forgives us. That's one definition of having a pure heart. The other definition of purity in heart is uh, that free from corrupt desire, that sincerity, that genuineness of motivation. That we, are, we have pure motives. 
And that's what Jesus is referring to in the Sermon on the Mount, is that our motivations are pure, our motivations are genuine, that our hearts are pure. So it's not just about being forgiven by God, it is about having pure motivations as to why we do what we do as followers of Jesus. So Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. And then there's a promise that goes along with this idea of being pure in heart. And it is found uh, in the second half of Matthew 5. It says, for they will see God. For they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, the Greek word for see is the word orao. The word horao. And it means to see or to perceive, to know or to experience. And I think there's two ways that we can look at this idea of being able to see God. Uh, first, uh, when your sins are forgiven and you are given the promise of eternal life in heaven with Jesus, you will see God face to face. You will see him physically. You will see God. This is the promise of heaven, the promise of eternity. We'll spend eternity in God's presence and we will see him and he will be our God and we will be his people. We will see God. But I think there's more to it than just that. I think that as Christians, we live for more than just the pie in the sky. We live for more than just heaven. We live for more than just eternity. I think that not only will we see God when we pass from this life into the next, but we will experience God here on this, in this life. We will see God in the next life, but we will experience God in this life. That when our hearts are pure, when we have pure motivations... We will experience God better. We will experience his love in a brand new way. We will experience his grace. We will experience his power. We will experience his forgiveness. That when we put our faith in Jesus, and when our hearts are pure, and when our motives are pure, we will see God, and we will experience God in a brand new way, and in a completely different way. When we experience God, it will change our lives. And when we have pure motives, we will see and experience God in a whole different way. So, like I said, this, this has to do with purity of motives. And to me, the opposite of purity of motives, impure motives, is hypocrisy. And Jesus has some things to say about hypocrisy in Matthew chapter 6. And uh, he's... He's saving his, he, he saved his uh, harshest criticism for the religious leaders of his day, usually the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. But he reserved his harshest criticisms of, uh, the relig uh, of, to the religious people, to those who thought they had it all together, to those who were putting on a religious show. Jesus said, I, I'm gonna, I have a, a rebuke for you. I, my harshest criticism is for you. Because you act like hypocrites. And this is what Jesus said about the hypocrites in his day. Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 and 2 says this. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So do not be like the hypocrites because they have already, they've received a reward when they do it for the applause of people. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says this about prayer. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So don't do your religious acts to be seen by other people. Now, is there anything wrong with praying before your meal at a restaurant? No. If that is your habit, if that is what you do, if that is what you do at home, that's what you should do at, at a restaurant. But if you don't pray before your meal at home, and you go out to a restaurant and like, man, I hope nobody's watching me, but just in case, let's pray. Or, oh, look, they go to my church. I better pray before my meal as you're like lifting the Olive Garden breadstick to your mouth. Here's a serious question, okay? Do you pray before the breadsticks and the salad or just before the entree? You ever thought about that? Do I want God to bless these terrible-for-you breadsticks full of carbs and buttery, garlicky goodness or just the, just the lasagna? Anyway, anyway, sorry about that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 says this. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Do not be like the hypocrites, Jesus said. The Greek word for hypocrites is hypocrites, And it, is, it literally means a, a stage actor, a stage player, or an actor, or a pretender. That's what a hypocrite is. An, an actor is a hypocrite. And I know a lot about acting. I was a theater major in, in college for three and a half years down at ISU. And I studied acting and how to get into character and, and how to portray a character and all these things about acting. I studied it hard and I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to go to Hollywood and I wanted to be famous. Neither did I make it to Hollywood, nor did I become famous, sort of. Notorious, maybe. But when it comes to acting, how are you acting as a follower of Jesus? Are you just pretending? Are you going through the motions? What are your motivations? Are you pure in heart? And that's what I want to talk about for just a few minutes. I, I, there's two steps you need to take if you want to purify your motives, if you want to really kind of figure out where you're at. Uh, step number one, first step is check your motives. Why do you do what you do? Why are you here today? Why will you be back next week? Why will you keep coming week after week after week? We need to check our motives. Well, we need to examine ourselves and examine our hearts. Why am I here and what am I doing here when I am here? Is it just to see my friends? When I was growing up going to church, you know, in youth group and everything, that's why I went. It was to see my friends. Couldn't care less about the sermon that went way over my head. I wanted to see my friends. And maybe that's you. Maybe, well, I want to go see my friends. There's nothing wrong with fellowship. Fellowship's a good thing. But why are you here? Is it to bring honor and glory to God? Is it to bring honor to Jesus? That should be our primary motivation for going to church, is to express our love and gratitude, admiration and adoration of Jesus. Because he gave his life for us. He suffered and died on the cross for our sins, so that we could be forgiven and set free for all eternity. So, why are you here? Why do you do what you do as a Christian? Why do you pray? Is it to communicate with your Heavenly Father? Or is it just a holy habit? I'm supposed to pray before I go to bed. Why do you read your Bible? 
Well, I'm supposed to do it. It's just a good habit to be in. Is it going to your heart? Is it changing your life? Yeah, you should read your Bible. It's a good thing to do. But is it, is it just a habit? Is it just a routine? Is it just a ritual? Or is there something more to it than that? I think about motivations when it comes to stewardship. We talk about stewardship here from time to time. We talk about how we need to be good stewards of our time, talent, and treasure. And so when you invest your time in church activities, in kingdom activities, what is your motivation? Well, no one else is going to do it, so I might as well. Well, your heart's not in it. If your heart's not in it, what is your motivation? Well, when it comes to giving of your talents and using the talents and gifts and abilities that God has given to you, why do you use your talents? Is it so other people will notice you and think, wow, she's a really, really talented person. She is great with working with kids, or she is great singing on stage, or he is awesome at preaching. <laughs> nervous laughter, nervous laughter, nervous laughter. Um, but do you do it to be seen by other people? And, and to get that attaboy or that girl? And then we can be honest. We, we all want that attaboy, that girl. We want someone to look at us and go, man, you are really good at that. Or, you know, I, I really appreciate you. Or you're doing a really good job. We all want that pat on the back. But if that's why we're doing it, if we're doing it for the pat on the back, that's a selfish motivation. That is not pure in heart. When it comes to giving of our treasure, when it comes to giving a tithe or an offering, is it because we're bargaining with God? God, if I put an extra $5 in the offering plate, there better be $500 more in my checking account. That's all I'm saying. 10%, wait, that's 1%. Okay. If you're bargaining with God with your offerings, if you're bargaining with God, if you're trying to cut a deal with God through your giving, it's the wrong motivation. We don't give to get. We give because we've already received. So when it comes to this idea about hypocrisy and purity and motive, check your motives. Why do you do what you do? Why do you do the religious activities that you do? Why do you do the Christian things that you do? Is it to... to to impress somebody? That's what the Pharisees did when it came to uh, tithing, when it came to fasting, when it came to giving, when it came to praying. They wanted to be seen by people, and their motives were impure. And it leads to hypocrisy. So what are your motives? Next step, do away with the show. Do away with the show. Quit pretending. Quit acting. Quit pretending to be a Christian and purify your motives and say, you know what? I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to put on the show. I'm not, I'm not telling you don't quit. I'm not going to tell you to quit coming to church. I'm not going to tell you to quit doing religious things. I'm going to tell you to quit reading your Bible. Just purify your motives and purify your heart. This is why I'm going to do it. I want to know God better and I want to worship Jesus better. And I want to be more faithful as a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm tired of, of putting on a show. I'm tired of pretending. And let's face it, pretending gets exhausting. Pretending gets tiresome. And, and we feel like, you know, it just leaves you feeling so empty. 
when you're pretending to be something that you're not. But the answer is not to walk away and say, I'm done. The answer is to say, I'm going to purify my heart. I'm going to ask God to purify my heart. I'm going to ask God to, to, to cleanse my motives and to help me be more pure in heart. And you know what? You can't do it on your own. You can't do it by yourself. You need help. And I think that if you can find a person in your life who will help hold you accountable and help you say, you know what, Sean, you, you really need to check this area of your life. Or, or you need someone to come alongside you and say, you know, let me help, you know, can you help me check this area of my life? If you can find somebody that you can say, can you help me examine my heart to make sure my motives are pure? And, and, and by the way, it's not your job to go up to somebody <laughs> and say, you need to clean up your act. Uh, or you, it's not your job to go up to somebody and say, you need to purify your motives. Or you need, it's not your job to go up to somebody and say, you're a hypocrite. Because Jesus said something about that too. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 through 5, this is what he said. Why do you look at the spe speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Purify your own motives before you help somebody purify theirs. Does that make sense? Don't go up to somebody and say, you know what, I've been watching you, and I think you're a phony, and I think you're a fake, and I think you're pretending, and I think you're a hypocrite. Well, you better make sure your motives are pure. Otherwise, you are a bigger hypocrite than they are. Folks, it all boils down to this. Everything we do must be about Jesus Christ as Christians and as his church. Everything we do must be about Jesus Christ, first and foremost, always and forever. Everything we, must do, everything we do must be about Jesus Christ as Christians and as his church. So in our individual lives, we need to check our motives and do away with the show. As a church, we need to make sure that our motives are pure. Why do we do the things that we do as a church? Why do we have church services? Why do we have a children's ministry? Why do we have a youth ministry? Uh, why do we have uh, other ministries? Why do we do outreach to the community? Are we trying to build up the name of GFCC? Or are we trying to lift up the name of Jesus? We have to purify our motives as Christians and as a church. And the good news is we're not in it alone. That God's Holy Spirit within us is working to transform our hearts, to change our hearts, to purify our motives, to help us look more like Jesus and less hypocritical, less like actors, and more like the real deal, less like pretenders, less fake, more genuine. And that's what we're hoping for. That's what we're working for. That's what we're trusting God for. So my encouragement to you this week is just, just remember this simple phrase. It's got to be about Jesus. Everything we do must be about Jesus Christ as Christians and as his church. And when we have our motives purified and our hearts are pure, we will truly be hashtag blessed.